This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Amen, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and grab a seat. Morning, everybody. Wow, that was a wonderful time of worship, wasn't it? Ah, we could just sort of fold up shop and go home if we would actually live that out. Because in many ways, that is the core of the message this morning. So, I have a question for you. What day is it? That's awesome. (laughs) Is there anything going on today that's a little bit out of the norm? Yeah. Are there any... Anybody brave enough to be a Seahawk fan out there? Oh, come on. Are there any Bronco fans out there? Okay, sometimes it's something bigger than the game, okay? I married a lady from Denver, so I am... You understand? Yes, yes, of course. Marriage is more important than the game. I have another question for you. Are there any Jesus fans out there? Yes! There you go. Way bigger than the game. So... And I have so much fun stuff to talk to you about this morning. So I want you to put your ears in the hurry mode. All right. You're going to have to listen in a hurry. Um, for those of you who are brand new to new life, could we have a round of applause for those of you who are brand new to new life? God bless you. Every Sunday... God does this wonderful thing in our church where he draws people to himself, brand new people to himself through our church. So welcome. You belong here just as much as we do. This is God's house. And whether you come here and have been coming here for a long time or you're brand new this morning, everybody's equally welcome here. There is one other thing that I should tell you this morning. New life is 16 years old today. How cool is that? And God's done some amazing stuff along the way. For those of you who are brand new, let me introduce you to a couple of tools we all use every Sunday. And the first is this sheet of teaching notes. You're going to want to get that out and and, uh, follow along. Fill in the blanks if you're that kind of a person. It's a learning tool that you will find in your program every single time that one of us teaches. And the second tool is this. It's, It's a great tool in our church. It's how we all connect directly to our staff. It's how we ask the staff to pray for things that are going on in our lives. It's how we uh, sign up for things that are in the nutshell, which is sort of the jacket of your program that has everything that's happening in our church over the next little bit. So if you want to sign up for something that's going on in there, you'll find it on this card right now. Let's all take it out and, and fill out the contact information because if you request information or, or prayer request and you forget to fill out that part, we won't know who to connect with, and we won't know actually who we're praying for. So please do that right now, and then at the end of our of our church service, I will be passing baskets, and you can put the connect cards in those. I want to start out by talking about two things that have little or nothing to do with the message, but they're important things for our church. And the first is, if you pull this out, 
This, these people are extremely valuable ministry partners for us as a church. A few years ago, when we were a much smaller church and looking for a place for us to call home, um, Church Development Fund came alongside us and they loaned us the money to buy this property and to build this building. And a few years later, when we were having trouble making our mortgage, they came along and restructured our loan in ways that no bank in the world would. And just to give you an example, they converted $2 million of our loan into an interest-free loan. Do you know any bank in the world that's going to loan $2 million out with no interest? No. These are ministry partners. They build church buildings. Now, Here's how they work. They work very much like a bank. People like you and me put money on deposit with them. They loan it out to churches. Churches repay. And in the process, they pay us interest on the money that, that, that we have deposited with them. So twice a year, I, I just say something about CDF because they have been so valuable. The, whatever you're getting at your CDs at your local bank, this will be way better. So there you go. That's CDF. Great ministry, people. No pressure there, but if you're looking for a place that you can deposit your money that will get you better interest than, than you can get at a local bank. They've been doing this, by the way, for 60 years. They're a very, very safe uh, organization, and you love to see the money you have on deposit helping churches around the world, then CDF is for you. Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Take a look at the video. You're going to love this. So if you've never seen a baptism service at New Life, I just want to tell you, bring a Kleenex. You will need it. It's going to be a great Sunday. But, but I want to say one other thing to, to all of us. This year we have three baptism services planned during the year. And there's a reason for that, which I won't get into now. But there's only three. So don't put it off. Don't look at me and say, Pastor, you know, my, I want my whole family to be here and my whole family can't be here. Can I just speak truthfully about that? If you got an invitation from the President of the United States or the Queen of England to come to the White House or Buckingham Palace, would you look at them and say, you know, if my whole family can't come, I just can't do that? No, you wouldn't. Listen, this is Jesus. Okay? Bigger than the president, certainly more important than the Queen of England, and he invites you to join him in the waters of baptism and die to the person you were so you can live to the person he's always made you to be. Next Sunday, okay? If you want to sign up for that, it's a place on your Connect card, just, just check baptism. I'll get in touch with you this week. We already have quite a few people lined up. It's going to be a great Sunday. All right. Now, I'm finally ready to talk to you about where we're headed as a church, all right? We are on a great journey with God. We're calling it a dangerous journey. And, and Justin said, sometimes it feels unsure. Why? Because we don't know for sure just where God is taking us or what it's going to be like when we venture with Him and we take God by the hand and go on that journey. And sometimes it feels unsafe because it's in the middle of dangers, as the psalmist said in one of the most beloved psalms in the Bible. 
He said, the Lord is my shepherd. We've, most of us have heard that. Maybe all of us have heard that. But in the middle of that psalm, there is this verse that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a pretty unsure place. And it can feel very unsafe. Here's what he says. I will fear no evil because you're with me. So though sometimes it seems unsure, and so though sometimes it seems unsafe, it's never really unsure or unsafe. We can be unafraid because when we have God by the hand, it doesn't make any difference how it feels. Two Sundays from this Sunday we is Transition Sunday. Are you ready for Transition Sunday? Are you really ready for that? Yes, absolutely. I'm ready for Transition Sunday. And I've got some things I want to talk to you about that. I I, I want to say a little bit about that today. And I just want to say one thing. Okay? I think sometimes when we as a church go through a transition, I know that some of us just struggle with change. Okay? And we sort of look at change as the inevitable that gets forced onto us by life. Can I give us a much more noble way to look at that. The transition that we're going to go through as a church is not the inevitable forced on us by life. My friends, it is God's provision for us as His kids. Understand the difference? So, and I know some of you are concerned about me and how I'll feel and all that. This is God's provision, okay? I'll... I'll, level with you about some of my feelings next week. But I want you to know, for this week, I want you to know, this is God's provision. It's a blessing that He's taking us through as a church. It's part of that dangerous journey. And though it may feel a little unsafe at some times, it's never really unsafe. And and though we may be unsure at times, God's sure. And if God's sure, and God says it's going to be safe, we're good. Okay, so we're, we're on this dangerous journey with God, and it's a great journey, and it always is leading us to this central question that we're wrestling through in this entire teaching series, and here it is. The question of the series is, is God trying to take something good from me or give something good to me? Now, how you frame your answer to that question will determine the course of your life. The key issue in the answer to that question is the issue of trust. Do I really trust God? Can I really trust God? Because God says to you and to me, look, there's a world of wonders that awaits if you will actually trust me with your whole life. And more than anything else that I say to you this morning, I want you to understand that it's the natural tendency of the human spirit to tear off little portions of our life and trust God with little portions of our life. And that's never God's plan for us. God never says, trust me with a piece of your life. God says, trust me with your life. Because I'm not trying to take something from you. I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. As Justin was speaking to us this morning and we were in communion, I just felt God saying to me, Justin's using this 
illustration of a car on the junk pile of life. And he talked about the price that God paid. Can I tell you that as all of heaven and probably all of hell was watching the day that Jesus died, there wasn't an angel or a demon who looked at that price that didn't look at God in disbelief and say, you're paying that for that? You know what the face value of a sinner is? Not much. And yet God paid for it with his life. Yeah. God's not a taker. He's a giver. Now the key that unlocks all of this is a passage that Kevin's pointed us to a couple of times. And I want to take us there because I want us to get it. And here it is. God says through Joshua, three times in the book of Joshua, the book that we're getting this entire teaching series out of, God says, consecrate. I want you to circle and underline that. Consecrate yourselves. And then here's the promise. If you and I will do this, this is the world of wonders that awaits us if we consecrate not a piece of our life, not just our Sunday mornings or our Sunday evenings or a little volunteer service here and there, but if we consecrate our entire lives, God says, tomorrow the Lord will do, what's the next word? Wonders. I want you to circle the word wonders and I want you to draw a line between consecrate and wonders. Because that's the things that gets, that get connected. God says, if you consecrate yourself, if you take yourself and devote yourself wholly to me, if you trust me with all of your life and all of your heart, I will do wonders through you. Amazing things. Three key things come out of this. Number one, consecration is the key to experiencing God's amazing work in my life. I was praying through a prayer request uh, just a few days ago from somebody right here in our church, and their prayer request was, I have never felt this good in my life. It feels so amazing to be used by God. You know, that's somebody who jumped into the circle of consecration and gave God it all, whole thing. The second principle that jumps out is this. I must consecrate myself from something. And the thing I have to consecrate myself from is sin. If I want to experience God's amazing power and work in my life, and I want to draw near to God, I can't be harboring some sin in my life. But, but God, I, I, you know, I'll give you the rest of my life. No, that's not how that works. Okay? It's not until we, all, we jump all of us into the circle of consecration. We have to consecrate ourselves from sin. But we have to consecrate ourselves to something. And I think oftentimes the first part of this gets more pressed than the second part. I have to consecrate myself to something, and that something is service. For years I've taught people, God didn't save anyone to sit. He saved everyone to serve. Can you say that out loud with me? Let's say it together. Ready? God didn't save anyone to sit. He saved everyone to serve. That's the deal. And I want to talk to you about service today because that's the big part of, of that's the next item uh, that God calls us to on this dangerous journey. 
But that leads us to a very interesting question that, that we need to take a look at. And here's really today's question. Is it really worth it to live a lifestyle of service? When you and I walked in the door today, we walked under a wall that says new life exists to connect people to God and others, develop them as followers of Christ, and lead them into what? Lifestyles of service. The question is, is it really worth that? You know, that's a tougher question to answer than we might think. Theologically, we might know the answer. But that's the question that we are going to peruse today. Because that's right where Joshua was. And we're going to go to our key text this morning. Because the text, or the core Bible teaching is this. There are four statements that God makes to Joshua right at the beginning of the book. And they are the four statements that God would make to you and me when we become followers of Christ. And the first statement is this. In Joshua 1.6, God says, Be strong and courageous. And when God calls you and me to a lifestyle of service, He is going to say to us, be strong and courageous. In other words, don't give in to your internal questions. And the internal question, specifically He's talking about, is is it worth it? Because if you have a debate with yourself about whether it's worth it to follow Jesus, I already know where you'll end up. You'll conclude, I'll start with a piece. No, God says, be strong and courageous. Don't give in to those internal fears. The second statement God makes is in Joshua 1.7. Joshua says, you are the one. You are the one. We got to go, there you go. You are the one. In other words, Joshua, I have hand-selected you for this task. And I want you to know that when you become a follower of Christ, Over and over and over again, God will call you into different areas of service as you follow Him and as you learn to live this lifestyle of service. And in each case, God will hand-select you for the job that He has for you to do. Friends, that's so comforting to know that God matches us with the task He calls us to. And just like He said to Joshua, you are the one, He says to you and me, you are the one. The third thing that God says to Joshua is found later. And that is in, in Joshua 1.8, you will be successful. Friends, God says that to you and me. When you let me hand select you for the job and you let me appoint you to that job and you pray over that and you seek me in that job, there is absolutely no way that God will let you fail at that job. It doesn't mean you won't struggle. It doesn't mean you won't have challenges, but you, you will not fail when you take God by the hand. God says to you, not only are you the one, you will be successful. And the fourth thing is where the, it just gets really good. God says this, I will be with you. That's why God can guarantee it. But here's the deal. What God is really saying is, in the process, you are going to encounter me and you are going to get to know me. And that's the whole reason why God calls you and me into a service. is so that as we work with God, side by side with God, we get to encounter Him in a very personal way and we get to know Him one-on-one. That's the whole deal. So when? When did that happen in Joshua's life? I want to tell you the story of Joshua's life. Joshua was 
somewhere in his late 20s or early 30s probably. He was a slave in the land of Egypt, as all Israelites were. And one day, an 80-year-old guy wandered into the Israelite camp with sort of a wild look in his eye, and he had a story to tell everybody. He said, I'm a shepherd, I'm from the land of Midian, but I'm an Israelite at heart. And not too long ago, I was on the edge of a mountain and God started talking to me from a bush. And God said to me, I want you to go down to Egypt and I want you to tell the Israelites that I'm going to use you to lead them all out of slavery and I'm going to use you to take them into a land of their own and I'm going to use you to set them up as their own nation. And they looked at him like, what have you been smoking? (laughs) We've been slaves for 400 years. And an 80-year-old guy who's been talking to bushes, he's going to lead us out. And Moses looked at them and said, you know, I, I was practically laughing at God too. And then God asked me a probing question. He said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, I looked. I had a shepherd's staff in my hand. He said, Moses, take that staff and throw it on the ground. Well, when the bush tells you to throw it on the ground, I guess you do, right? So Moses said, I took this staff, I threw it on the ground like that, and just like that, it turned into a poisonous snake, and I started running, just like you are. You can bet they were. And then God said to me, Moses, reach down and pick pick up that snake. And so I reached down and I picked up that snake just like this. And it turned back into a shepherd's staff in my hand. Now he said, listen to me. God said to me, Moses, if you will serve me and trust me with the rest of your life, I'm going to do greater things than that. And I will use you to lead my people out of slavery and into their own country. To set up their own nation. And Moses kind of banged his staff on the ground. And said. Who's with me? Something happened. In Joshua that day. He made a decision. He would trust God with the rest of his life. He raised his hand. And he said Moses. Moses. Could I just be your assistant? I'll make your bed. I'll draw water for you. I'll set up your tent. I'll do whatever you need. But whatever you're doing with God, I'm in. And I don't care what my job is. I'm just in. And that day, Joshua gave his whole life to God. 
Now take a look at the principle that comes from that. Because Joshua signed up to make Moses' bed and to carry water for him as his assistant. When you sign on for a lifestyle of service with God, he takes you on a journey of ever-increasing purpose, responsibility, challenge, and fulfillment. Friends, I stand before you today to give you that invitation. Joshua ended up to lead the entire nation of Israel. He saw himself as a slave, but God saw him as a conqueror. Moses saw himself as a shepherd, and God turned him into a deliverer. And God would say to you and to me that one probing question, what's in your hand? What can you do? Because whatever you can do, God will multiply it a hundred times. But you can't give him a piece of it. And what's the whole thing? There are some people in our church who have signed on. I call them heroes at home. And, and friends, I could have picked 25 or 30 different people. I, I just picked four people I felt like God guided me to. So here you go. Here are some people in our church that I call heroes at home. The first one, this is Lynn, okay? Lynn um, is the head of our cooking and decor team, and in our cooking and decor team, there are 15 people that actually work. They set up uh, major events for our church. They cook the meals for major events for our church. They set up the decor for major events for our church. They take it all down. They put it all away. And they do that for at least one event every month in our church. And as if that weren't enough, Lynn also heads up the teams of people that when you and I give contributions to the church every week, they get together, they count all those contributions, they get them all recorded to your records and mine so we get the proper tax deductions, they put them together, they, they enter them all in the accounting system, and then they go to the bank and make a deposit. And in that, Lynn supervises another eight people, 23 people in all. Now listen, Lynn is a bookkeeper by day but her real life is serving God. Okay? This is Joe. Some of you know Joe. Joe, is, uh, Joe works for a defense contractor in Santa Rosa by day. But Joe lives to serve God. Joe's the guy that heads up our mission trips. Last year, he lined up three mission trips. Last year, he personally led one of those mission trips. He project, he's a project manager by day, but he put all those project management skills to work in, in uh, managing a huge, um, garage sale. Is that what you call? Yeah, okay rummage sale, whatever you want to call it, that raised thousands of dollars for those mission trips. He personally project managed selling almost 500 pounds of toffee in our church to raise money for those mission trips. And he took one of those groups of people and personally led that trip himself. And if that weren't enough, Joe also is one of the leaders of our fifth Tuesday program that distributes food to the underprivileged of our city every time there's a fifth Tuesday in a year. That's Joe. He's a hero at home. This is Lisa. Lisa is a teacher by day, but she lives to serve. 
And she lives to serve God. And so she has put together a leadership team, a core team for our construction zone. And they supervise 40 volunteers in our church that minister to our kids ages 5 through about 11 or 12. They go together on prayer retreats. They pray over the kids. They dream over what they could teach the kids. They pull each together this core team. They challenge each other to grow spiritually in God. And as if that weren't enough, Lisa also does one-on-one mentoring with young with mothers of young kids, because Lisa lives to serve. This is John. Big John. Most of you know John. John lives to serve. With his partner, they, they run a heating and air conditioning company, but I will guarantee you what gets John out of bed every day is a thing called Band of Brothers. With his buddy Ryan, they launched this Band of Brothers thing that now has touched and changed the lives of over 60 men in our church. And by extension, 60 families or more. John calls them up. He prays with them. He challenges them. I'm pretty sure that every night before John goes to bed, he sends out at least a dozen texts and Facebook posts to different guys in the band of brothers. John lives to serve. That's just, that's just how he lives. And this is Courtney. Courtney is a senior in high school, and she's learning how to serve. And uh, as you know, seniors at Petaluma, they do a senior project. And she could have done all kinds of things, but she decided that since she's a Christian and she's learning how to love other people as Christ loves people, she decided to raise funds for orphans in Africa. And this is her first foray into leading in the field of service. And I pray that through this, Courtney ends up developing this lifestyle of service. And by the way, if you want to help her, there is a place in your, uh, in your uh, nutshell and on your Connect card where you can say, yeah, I would love to come alongside Courtney and help figure out how to raise those funds for orphans in Africa. So many people who have taken the journey of Joshua, somewhere they heard a story and somewhere they said, God, I'm just all in. This might be what I do for a living, but this thing in your kingdom is what I do for life. Now, our question is, is it worth it? Peter struggled with that. And I'm going to read a passage in an encounter between Peter and Jesus. But before I do that, I need to ask a favor from someone in the audience. Now listen carefully. I need a $1 bill from somebody who has less than $10 on them. Okay? So, now i got to tell you, I won't give it back to you. And you have less than $10 in your pocket, so it's going to be a sacrifice. It may mean you eat less, okay? All right. <laughs> Teresa was on her way first. I'm sorry. But thank you, Amanda. <laughs> Let's have a hand for Amanda. <laughs> thank you, Teresa. You understand I'm not giving this back, right? All right, thanks. All right, here we go. Peter has this 
amazing encounter with Jesus. And one day after Jesus was delivering a sermon, probably a lot like what I've just delivered to you, here's what Peter said. He said, Jesus, look, we've given up everything to follow you. What do we get? In other words, Jesus, is this worth it? I want you to look at Jesus' reply to Peter. Here's what Jesus said. Yes, Jesus replied, And I assure you, that's Jesus' guarantee, that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon His glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone, that would be you and me, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. And Mark, in his gospel, says... In this life, because we all tend to think, oh yeah, when Jesus comes again, it'll be really great for me. But between now and then, it's the pits. Or it could be. It's a big sacrifice. Mark says, no, in this life. And then he says, and will inherit eternal life. You know what I think? I think we struggle to believe that. Jesus is saying, Peter... If you give me your whole life, your $1 special, okay, your life, I will multiply it 100 times right here in this life. And then I'll give you eternal life on top of that. But I know what we go through. We look at our $1 life and we say, it's all I got. That's my whole life. And I know it's not worth much. And I feel cramped for value in my life. And I never feel like I have enough time. And I'm trying to stretch this dollar life of mine around all of my responsibilities. And and God is saying to me, why don't you just give me your whole life? And I'm going, I won't have anything left. And God says, no, trust me. If you give me that one, I'll multiply it. You know what we do? We go, you know the problem? Well, the problem is I'll take a piece of my life and I'll give a piece of my life to God and I'll see what He does with it. Now, how do we decide how much to tear off and give? I'll tell you. I know it's not glorious, but every single person in the audience has done this. How much of my life do I need to give to God so I won't feel guilty anymore. And whatever that is, I'm going to tear off just enough that I won't feel guilty, and then I'm going to try to make do with less of my life. Jesus says, you fundamentally misunderstand how I make life work. You're in the field of subtraction. And Jesus says, I'm in the business of multiplication. Okay? Jesus says, look, if you give me your $1 life, then here's what I will do. I'll take your $1 life and I will turn it into $100 of life. Don't give me a piece of your life. And expect me to turn it into 100. Give me the whole thing. 
Now I have a question to ask you. We've asked two questions today. And the first one is, is God fundamentally a taker or a giver? If this is the way you're living your life, you believe that God is a fundamental taker and you're trying to figure out what small a portion of your life he can take and you still can get by. But if you believe fundamentally that God is a giver, then this is how you live your life. Because God says, give me this, I'll give you this. We ask a second question. Is it worth it? Okay? If you enter the arena of service with this, no, it's not going to be worth it. You're going to end up with less than a buck. Right? You're going to put less than you had. But if you trust God, is it worth it? If I could turn your $1 bills into $100 bills this morning, how long would you stay here? (laughs) You would look at me and say, Pastor, how many times would you do that? Okay? God says, you'll give me this. I give you this. Teresa, come back up here, would you please? I know, but this is yours. Okay, come on. It's all right. Now listen, you have to promise me two things. We have a second service. You will not stay for the second service. And bums rush the stage with your $1 bill, all right? And the second thing is, I don't want you to go out and tell your friends, hey, when the pastor asks for a buck, trust me, you want to go run up there with your dollar bill, all right? Okay? But friends, listen, that's more than a gimmick. Can you hear it from, from God's heart? God said, just give me the whole thing, would you? Because if you will, I will turn your life into what you can't imagine. You are the one. You will succeed. I will be with you. There are four ways to apply this in the back, and I don't have time to lead us through them right now. I'm going to trust you to read through them. I'm going to pray. You keep your eyes open and read, all right? And you respond to God while I pray. Father, I pray for my friends, even the ones that are brand new. God, you have laid before us this this wild and incredible life, and yet we struggle so much to believe that you'll actually do that. God, would you help us this morning? Those of us who are not Christians yet, would you help us to trust you with our life and say, I'm in, like Joshua, I'm in. I'm in for the rest of my life and to begin that journey by trusting Christ for salvation. And Lord, for those of us that are not involved in ministry yet, would you help us to test drive a ministry, to try it out for one day, and give you a chance to, to, to sort of put us into that ministry. And Lord, for those of us that are already in ministry, would you give us grace to pray about greater responsibility in that ministry so you could use us in greater ways than you are now. And God, even right now, We thank you for the privilege of serving. And I pray it in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. 
You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.